All right, so I have a power team beside me. I am so excited to be the one to get to ask them questions because they have so much wisdom represented here. Um, so first, Betsy Gomez. Um, Betsy, along with her husband, Moises, and sons, Josue and Samuel, um, they've lived in the States for a little over a year, but they are originally from the Dominican Republic. So Betsy has a degree in marketing and a master's degree in corporate marketing, and she's now working on another master's degree in ministry to women. So she's a heavy lifter. Um, she works for Revive Our Hearts Ministry as a writer for their Spanish material. Um, and she's also a conference speaker at places like True Woman, the Revive Conference. And this year, she'll be speaking at a major conference in Mexico that Miss Aiken just told me. It'll be like 5,000. You'll have to tell them the name of the city. I can't say it. Yeah, Querétaro. That one. <laughs> um, so she will be there. Um, and so she loves Mexican food, so it's good that she's going to this um, I got all this from your husband, by the way. I was, like, mining for information. And he also told me that she really likes to sleep, which is very understandable considering everything else. So I was was cross-examining him earlier. So, so Betsy, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is such an honor. Um, Next, we have Laura Thigpen. Laura is a freelance writer who's written for Intersect and the ERLC, as well as other avenues. She has a degree in English, and she's now working on a Master of Arts in Writing. Writing? Or is it professional writing? Professional writing. She's married to Joseph and lives here in Raleigh. And so one thing that I love about Laura, and I tell her this frequently, Laura loves to drop anchors. So whether it's, you know, talking about hot topics or studying the word or whatever, she really loves to go deep. So she'll drop an anchor, and then I tell her all the time she makes women do the plank walk, which means in a very winsome, gracious, loving way, she will be like standing behind you with a sword making you dive (laughs) so that you actually get your head submersed and go deep. And then at the end, it's just this rewarding and edifying experience, and she just has a unique gift in how she does that. And so she serves... Our body, like our local church body, and our institution, really well um, uh, through that. So, um, then the last one we have here is Amy Whitfield. So Amy is pretty incredible, and here's some of the reasons why. She is the director of communications at Southeastern. So she's one of the big bosses around here. She's wife to Keith, who's vice president for academic administration and a theology professor, and mom to two children who are in middle school. She is a secret hippie and nerd, or sometimes not so secret. secret. (laughs) Uh, Case in point, she has an arcade in her basement. I found that out. I I had so much fun. (laughs) um, She is also a student, uh, which she was in class tonight. She has sung on multiple Carmen albums. Oh goodness! And no, I don't. I don't mean. (laughs) I don't mean the opera. I mean, like, God's got an army and Satan bite the dust. <laughs> I did not sing on those. Okay, not on those. those. But that's yeah. the Carmen I'm talking about, right? Um, I was a young child. <laughs> <laughs> it sticks with you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> she is assistant parliamentarian for the, Southern, for the Southern Baptist Convention, and she's actually the first female to serve that role. Um, so we're pretty sure she either works for the CIA or some other secret organization. Because <laughs> all we know is that her son's orthodontist appointments are a little suspect. <laughs> um, but what makes Amy such a wonderful person to talk to is she's had just such a breadth of experiences in her lifetime. And so any time you're going through something new or you're about to go to a new place, come talk to Amy because she's probably been there and has a really great story to tell. And you can learn a lot of great things from her. So... Just a wealth of wisdom here, so thank you for being here, Amy. All right, so tonight's Hot Topic panel, we're going to be discussing the issue of social media, um, which is something very, very uh, important in our context right now. It's an issue that is something that really the church needs to be on the forefront of addressing and encouraging and um, equipping one another for how we're supposed to think about it. Social media is just this phenomena that has just really blown up, especially in recent times. And so it's really good for us to be thinking through something that it's easy for us to think, oh, that's just part of our normal lives or that's just something that we do. 
without thinking about how can our social media usage be brought under the Lordship of Christ. And so just carefully thinking through those things, and these ladies are just a wealth of information for that. Um, so with that said, I'm going to jump in and ask all of you guys, if you want to just give an answer, um, what do you mostly use social media for, and why do you use it? Hmm. So you want an honest answer? Please. Because <laughs> we would say that we use social media to connect, to share our lives or for ministry purposes, but our hearts are um, deceiving us all the time. So sometimes we are using social media for other reasons. And I know that we are going to discuss that, but um, um, it is, in, in order to be honest, Sometimes we use, I, I use social media as an anxiety therapy. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's, I don't mean that that's fine, that's good, but if we're going to be honest, I think that that's like the biggest use of social media in my life. Yeah, yeah I was actually thinking about it just in preparation for tonight. I was thinking, well, I use it to stay in touch with my family back home and stay connected with people I went to school with and now we're all across the world, but as I started to think about it, I was like, but I have you know, over a thousand friends on Facebook and I didn't go to school with all of them and they're not all my family. I don't think, anyway. Um, you know, and so that's what I started to think about is why, why do I use social media? Mm -hmm. And I do, there is a part of it that kind of feeds us. It gives us affirmation where we're looking for it. Um, it gives us something to consume constantly. Yeah, for me, it can be really hard to escape because um, in my job here, we use it a lot. Uh, institutionally, we have a number of accounts across you know, several platforms um, that we're responsible for getting kind of the message of the school out. So that means that I am checking it a lot or we're doing, you know, doing ads, things like that. And in doing that, I'm also seeing my own personal feeds and I, you know all of that so it's like I can't ever get away um, and uh, so a lot of times that it just becomes this rabbit hole that can kind of you know suck you down and then I go home at night and maybe I really do want to sit down and kind of connect with people personally and then before I know it I'm like this is it's been way too many hours my eyes are just you know going crazy so I use it for a lot of reasons I use it you know for work I use it to connect with people and I think as anxiety therapy, all those things. Yeah, thanks for the honesty with that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we're gonna continue to kind of unpack some of those things, but Laura, you wrote an article recently on how social media puts your spiritual disciplines on display, which is a fun title, I like that. But can you share just an overview of what you mean by that? Yeah, so I wrote that article during our previous presidential election, so the it was, it was prime for plucking, I guess, <laughs> to talk about it. But one of the things that I noticed was, um, and, and it was particularly in the political season, but even, even since that's all over, we're still seeing a lot of this being fleshed out on social media of, of a lot of Christians, and I'm talking more specifically evangelical Christians, coming to social media and using it in a way that is spiritually emaciated. Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed that in two ways. Um, we're coming to social media to inform us, and help us form our convictions, or we're coming to social media to communicate our ill-formed convictions. And so as I started kind of wrestling with these two things, I'm like, why are we doing that? And recognizing there's a lack of something, there's a lack of depth, there's a lack of spiritual disciplines, and what are the spiritual disciplines? Meditating on the Word of God. Um, that is essential to the Christian faith, our Christian life. It is God's word to us. It's living and it's active. And so we're required as, as a Christian to sit under that. How, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. We have to be intimate with his word. And then um, time and prayer. I need to go to the Father and ask the Father to give me wisdom and give me boldness and give me courage. Help me to speak in truth with grace and help me to have compassion. Give me compassion. Give me eyes uh, like yours, um, praying for ourselves, praying for our brothers and sisters in our communities, 
uh, in our gospel communities, and then also praying for unbelievers, interceding for unbelievers. Um, so that's the second spiritual discipline. And then also um, fellowship with gospel community. And I think this, this one is probably one of the most important for the Christians who are doing one and two, meditating on the word and spending time in prayer, but they're not in gospel community because this is where we flesh out what we're struggling with when we're reading God's words, when we're trying to form those convictions and when we're spending time praying to the Lord and asking him to help us we need, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this in his book, Life Together, um, we need our brother man to speak the gospel to us because the gospel in him is stronger than the gospel in me sometimes. And like Paul says in Galatians, preach the gospel to yourself daily. Um, so recognizing that we need to be fleshing these things out in gospel community. And then um, also the mission, which is um, evangelizing the lost. So we need to have a heart for unbelievers. Um, like Christ, to have compassion on them. And so as I was thinking about those spiritual disciplines, when we come to social media, if, if we haven't been disciplining ourselves in that, we can't winsomely engage this particular platform well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was just kind of witnessing on a very, very broad scale. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, I could say I see brothers and sisters in Christ who... I can tell by the way they're engaging social media Mm. that they are disciplined Mm. spiritually. They are speaking and engaging this platform out of an overflow of spiritual nutrition and not Mm. emaciation. And so that was Mm. kind of kind of what I was dealing with there. Yeah, I love how with that you talk about, you know, it's not just, it's easy for us to just say, hey, social media, it's the devil, you know, we should all be off of it, or just kind of make a blanket universal statement like that and just vilify social media as a platform. Um, But with the way that you're talking about it, it's like, it's, it's, it's simply a tool, you know, and it's something that just puts on display what's already there. Mm-hmm. And if you're cultivating the gifts of the Spirit, then that's going to be put on display there. Mm-hmm. Or if those things are lacking, then that's also going to be put on display. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Amy, you recently wrote an article on social media as FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yeah. How many of you all have heard of that fear of missing out? Okay. Very good. So, you know, the idea there is that you are, um, you're interacting with social media, you're, you're going to it, and then what you see makes you struggle with um, envy, or uh, either you see people doing something that you're not there, or you see that someone else's life looks perfect um, and yours doesn't. And, and of course, uh, as most of us know, I mean, it really isn't that hard to take a perfect Instagram photo. I mean, the square's like that big, so <laughs> you can take a picture of this, you know, amazing meal and you don't see all the like sippy cups everywhere, you know, or whatever, <laughs> the mess behind it. And we all say, oh my goodness, her meal is perfect and mine is awful and stuff. And we have no idea, you know, cause it's easy to, to portray that. So, that's that's something that kind of can pop up in us because it it, it stirs up those struggles mm-hmm. um, and the the insecurities that we have. Mm-hmm. My article focused on something that was a little bit different that um, that I, I kind of addressed that, but then I went to the struggle we can have in watching conversations and feeling like if I don't if I don't speak up, if I don't say something, I'm going to miss an opportunity. I'm not going to get to be part of something, or I'm not going to get to be. Uh, cool or liked or whatever. It's like when the kids on the playground were all talking about something and you didn't want to be left out. Um, and where that can lead us, and in, in some ways it kind of ties in with what uh, what Laura was talking about. And I use an example um, of something that happened, and it you know it's been about this has been about three years ago now uh, that this happened. But I use I I, I kind of spend time some on Instagram, some on Facebook, but primarily. Uh, Twitter right now um, and I was at an event and uh, this was was an event where you know everyone was kind of spending time in this same conversation on a hashtag and there was someone on stage that um, maybe it was just a different style than some of us were used to in the way they were presenting and some and there were a few things that seemed kind of funny and uh, some people I knew 
um, and this is not to speak of them at all, I'm, I'm talking about myself here, but some people that I knew started interacting on social media, and some I didn't know, but I just thought they were, you know, I, I thought they were cool, and they made a few comments about what was happening on the stage. So this conversation is kind of happening in the hashtag. And my first thought was, I thought of something really funny to say about this. And I, I mean, I had my phone like this sitting and I started and then it was like I froze and I thought, the thought that popped in my head is what if that person walks across the stage, walks off the stage and they go and look at what conversation that's happening in this hashtag and they see what people are, are saying. And my heart was crushed at the fact that I had even thought um, of doing that. And what had happened was I'd gotten caught up and I'd gotten caught up in wanting to be funny and wanting to impress others. Mm -hmm. And um, that can happen to all of us in conversations. I think we all can, can uh, connect with a time that we're really tempted to sin in that way. Um, but in particular, the, because it's not that it's not that the sin is any worse because it's public, but it can do so much more damage and it can hurt so much more. Um, it can hurt our witness and it can hurt individuals. And so what I was talking about was how that really connected with how we talk to each other and um, with how we address things with kindness. Um, sarcasm is such a temptation on social media, uh, sniping at each other, Facebook because it's a live comment stream that's happening, and we can just take shots without even thinking about all the people that are seeing this mm -hmm. and what message that sends mm -hmm. to them. Um, so what I wanted to kind of address in that, uh, that particular essay I was writing was how I think the heart of that can be our own insecurities and our own envy and our own desire to be something important. Mm -hmm. And when the threshold is so low, you don't have the social pressure of everyone in the room staring at you, you just have you and your phone mm -hmm. and your really clever thing that you wanna say, um, we, we can forget. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was kind of the gist. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's helpful because it's like the opposite of neighbor love. You know, and, yeah. and sometimes social media and just the platform and the nature of it, it almost takes the neighbor away from our right. view. And mm -hmm. so we're not seeing like, oh, this person that I'm talking about, it just seems like this kind of impersonal name, you know, and I'm just discussing them or what they said or making fun of whatever, forgetting that that's an actual person. Right. And it's easy for us to, to forget that. So it makes that neighbor love such a challenge. And so... Um, yeah, so Betsy, the other day you showed us something really clever um, <coughs> about the sins of social media specific to each platform. Yeah, so um, I was reading that this guy, Reid Hoffman, he's a co-founder of LinkedIn, the, social, uh, the professional social media um, background um, network. And so he posted in the Wall Street Journal that social networks do best when they tap into one of the seven deadly sins. And that was pretty like, oh, that's something that I really wanna learn about. See, so he would say that this is why social media is so powerful and so effective because it, it just feeds our sin that mm -hmm. it's already in our hearts. Mm -hmm. So it would say that LinkedIn will feed greed. You know, it's a professional network and Facebook vanity because we're always trying to present a reality that is not the, the truth. So Netflix sloth. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it's just crawling and looking for a movie, and then you spend two hours and you haven't found one, and you just mm -hmm. go to bed. <laughs> yes. So Twitter. <laughs> So Twitter feeds our, feeds our wrath and pride because everything is so intellectual. And Pinterest and Instagram feeds our envy and gluttony. And it's incredible how the problem is when we let social media to feed the sin that it's already in our hearts. So I think that, that was like pretty awesome to see. Yeah, I am a target. And yeah. they, they know my need. Yeah. And they yeah. know my sin. They're just feeding my sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very, that's very clever, yeah. that whole thing. But kind of to follow up with something, you mentioned envy. Um, and I think that a particular struggle for women when it comes to social media is envy. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you combat that both in guarding your own heart 
because that's a big deal, right? As you know, how are you processing things that you see where the temptation, it just presents itself to be envious of what you see in front of you. But then how do you also think about, again, that neighbor love, but how do you think about your sister in like guarding her heart Mm -hmm. based on the things that you post? I think my battle cry for that combat is 1 Peter 1, 13. Um, I need to be reminded every day with this verse. It says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And even though this doesn't have, you know, um, a relation with envy or, you know, but honestly, when I find myself... um, sinning that way is because I'm not guarding mm. my mind. Mm. I'm not guarding the loins of my mind like the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And this um, can be addictive as a drug. Mm-hmm. In fact, social media feeds the same um, rewards um, system in our brains like alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I don't have a sober mind, I let this addiction take over myself, my mind, my thoughts. And I am all, I'm sinning all over the place, and I'm not even realizing mm. that I am, um, you know, um, in, in that situation. So I need to be reminded of that I need to prepare my, my mind to actions. I need to be sober-minded, and I need to put my hope in the correct place. Mm-hmm. Because when I envy, it's because I, I am putting my hope in something that is earthly, that is... Um, you know, from this world. So, but when when I put my hope fully in Jesus, in things that are above, you know, my thinking process is different. So instead of feeling envy, I will rejoice. And and honestly, about um, guarding my sister, and you know, thinking of others first. I think that my what I have to do every time is to remember that also I am a sinner. So I need to be constantly repeating to myself that my heart is easily deceived. Mm -hmm. And I need to be asking myself, why am I posting this? Mm -hmm. Because my heart is in the business of stealing God's glory all the time. Mm -hmm. So why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And I I found myself sometimes um, like wanting to post something and thinking of a person before posting. Mm-hmm. So I want that person to see this. Mm-hmm. And I pray that the Lord will give me conviction of mm-hmm. sin, mm-hmm. that I can just delete this mm-hmm. or call that person and tell her that directly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the problem of, so, of social media. Like our hearts can be deceived very easily. We can um, replace the, like the real connection with with this, and this can be an idol in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard you say that before of, you know, so, so many times we'll, we'll post a scripture verse that we're like, I have exactly the person in mind who needs to hear this scripture verse. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we'll post it, which taps into another thing that we struggle with, and, and that's that kind of passive, aggressive, like manipulating, even on social media or whatever. And, and, and Betsy, I've heard you say before, like, don't post it. Call your sister. Yes. <laughs> you know, if, yes. if you're trying to do that, like that's what authentic gospel community is. It's not just yeah. kind of this like kind of passively posting something. And I think that our hearts are longing all the time for that, yeah. for real connection. You know, yeah. like open doors, and I can go to my sister and speak truth to her. But you know, mm-hmm. but since the garden. Um, those wires of communication between God and one another were broken. Mm-hmm. So that's good. humans are always trying to fix those wires. And that's why we have social media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So social media is something that it's interesting because it just blurs a lot of lines for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Some of those lines are the distinction between uh, what's human and what's not human, you know, as we talked about before. Some of those lines are the distinction between near and far, and that's one of the things we love about social media. I mean, I I love social media in that, uh, kind of like what Laura was saying before, my friends back in Italy, that's how I keep t- 
touch with them. Mm-hmm. And it's what keeps me close with them. And so that when I go back, I feel like we still have this sense of connection, you know. Um, and so I'm thankful for that because I'm able to maintain relationships that I would not have otherwise been able to maintain. But it does blur that distinction between near and far, um, which is a good thing and can also be a dangerous thing. But it also blurs the distinction between public and private in a kind of interesting way. Um, and then I think it blurs distinction also in different relationships, like family and friends and colleagues and all those different things. So everything just kind of gets stirred in together, and it can be a little bit confusing to navigate. And so in light of that, in this like blurring of lines, what does it mean to walk in wisdom? Um, Because one of the things the book of Proverbs does is it gives us kind of some blurry lines. And I know we don't like to hear that. But in one chapter it says, answer the fool in his folly. And then a few verses later it says, don't answer the fool in his folly. (laughs) Just let him be. Um, And so it doesn't give us just this troubleshooting grid of you're in this situation, this is what you do. It calls us to the fear of the Lord and to walk in wisdom. So in light of a platform that uniquely blurs those lines... I want to discuss with you guys what that looks like in specific areas. Um, And so, Amy, social media blurs the line between public and private. Mm -hmm. Can you share about that and give us some insights? Yeah. So um, one thing that that I think we have to to step back and remember is... um, Number one, it's blurring the lines in things that I'm seeing from others. It's also blurring the lines in what I'm posting and sharing. I mean, I think we have to remember, you know, you look at the, the number of friends that you have on Facebook, and you just click friend requests. Oh, there's my, you know, person I knew 20 years ago or whatever. But everything you put out there, I mean, that is, that is public. So, you, so when you do it, then you're opening yourself up for that really awkward uh, interaction when yeah. your mom's friend says your family vacation looked wonderful and you just feel really <laughs> strange in that moment because you feel like you've been um, sort of put that that as you put yourself out there these people are all kind of interacting and then the same thing happens um, on the other side I had this really weird um, experience uh, a few years back, I was in Tennessee, uh, we were living there, and I had, for a while, been Facebook friends with this uh, girl that had been my neighbor growing up. Um, and she would she would post things, I, we didn't interact, I just saw her in my news feed, she would post things about, I, I can't remember if her husband was sick or something was going on. So I'm back in Tennessee, and I look across a grocery store, and I think, that girl looks familiar. And then I realize, I recognized her because of her picture on Facebook, but I didn't know how to approach her. I hadn't seen her in 20 years. I hadn't seen her since we would swing on my swing set at like age 12. And so she had lived this very public life. I hadn't commented. I hadn't, so I didn't. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know quite, um, quite how to do that. And then the same, the same thing happens as we're living our lives in front of others. And so I think we have to start making distinctions about what we're what we're going to share, what we're comfortable sharing, um, what we're comfortable sharing, you know, of our uh, with our family or of our family, um, and then being willing to uh, engage, you know, others or to pray for others or to connect because. Um, in some sense, these are supposed to be relationship-building tools, you know, uh, and, and Facebook in particular is, you know, supposed to build on relationships that you have in real life. So not really being afraid, um, but you kind of have to know the territory and recognize that, that, that's, that that's what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, when we do that. Yeah, so in light of what you said about how it's building on relationships that you have in real life, mm-hmm. Laura, I wanted to ask you, so social media oftentimes blends the categories of real and fake for us. Um, How does this impact relationship and community for good and for bad? Yeah, so as I was thinking about this, um, yeah, just kind of that everybody has this need, right, to belong. They want community. They want to know you. I was (laughs) thinking about this story, and I shared this with you guys. Um, so a few weeks ago, I had a birthday, and um, a 
pastor of a church in a community close to my parents' city, where my dad is a, an associate pastor at a church, um, he sent me three different messages on Facebook with little gifies. Am I saying that right? Gifs. Thanks. Yeah. Gif imagers. Yeah, this what she, that's her world. <laughs> um, and one of them had, you know, like, happy birthday. I hope your day is incredible and awesome. And, um, and it also said Roll Tide, and I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. And so, obviously, that's something that I've posted on Facebook multiple times. But I got three messages from this gentleman, and I've never even met the guy. And it was just kind of this, he thinks he knows me because he knows my parents, and he's, he follows us on, on Facebook. And so it, it was just that moment of, okay, this line has gotten blurred really, really fast. And I feel kind of imposed on, at the same time like you were talking about, I've also put this information out there, mm -hmm. and I've let you look at it. And I've let you follow me and interact with me in this way. And so it was, it was an awkward moment because I didn't know how to respond. I wanted to say thank you for the birthday wishes, but one would have been enough. Um, three is overkill, and I don't even know you. And so um, I do think that there is a false sense of community on social media. It, it is, there is a very limited real sense of community there's a very real sense of false community. And we need to understand very quickly where the line of reality ends and where falsehood begins. Mm -hmm. and, and recognizing that the depth of reality is very, very shallow on social media. And so even with what I put out there about myself, I have to know it's not true. It's not all true. Um, you know, there's a good sense and when you know you've got a difficult thing going on in your life and maybe there's an illness and you want to invite people to pray for you and, and kind of walk with you through that. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've done this, I've seen friends do this um, and it's been a great way for people that were far away from to mm -hmm. kind of get to intercede on their behalf. Um, but then you see a picture of, you know, they just got a nice ice cream cone from Chick-fil-A, so you know it's the greatest thing they've ever had, and you know they're looking at it and it's just the best, they're on cloud nine, but they're not posting about five hours ago, I was in the fetal position crying uncontrollably because I just didn't think I could get out of bed. They're not posting that, and neither are we, and I'm not advocating that we should. <laughs> we shouldn't be putting everything out there. In the same sense, we should also recognize nobody else is putting everything out there. This is not reality. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, so for both Betsy and Amy, um, this blending between near and far, um, you both have some interesting stories about that. Betsy, you guys live far away from family. Um, and so how is that blending, <laughs> the blurring of those lines, how's that been a unique blessing for you? Well, I really appreciate that you asked that <laughs> because honestly, for like the first months of our family living here, social media was a big stumbling block mm. for me because um, <coughs> I really I didn't want to let go. Mm. I really I didn't want to feel disconnected, so I was trying to keep up with like everybody's life. <laughs> and trying to make people feel that I was still there. Mm. I'm here, I'm stalking all of my church family, you know. <laughs> and honestly, that just brought frustration because they were not keeping up with me, you know. Mm. Um, and I was, I was not embracing what the Lord has given me here. That is a blessing, a huge blessing, so. I just remember the quote of Jim Elliot, like, wherever you are, be all there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Facebook um, basically is a stumbling block for me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not embracing my now. I just want to know what's going on in my past church. And, you know, and also, it doesn't have to be with people overseas, even in my house. Mm -hmm. I can be you know, not paying attention to my kids or my husband, like attending to my real priorities as a woman because I want to be, you know, 
-hmm. there, mm -hmm. in touch, making other people feel that I'm there mm -hmm. and I'm not. You yeah. know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a factory of idols. <laughs> <laughs> You're in really good company. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amy, so you have a really cool story to tell about how it's unique for, for the mission. Yeah, it's been a kind of an interesting turn lately. So uh, Facebook in particular in the last several months, I haven't had a ton of interest in it, especially posting myself, just because of how it could just kind of the conversations could just go off the rails. And so I'd, I'd check and see what was going on with people. But, you know, it, it, what, we have to, all, what we have to keep remembering is um, like Betsy said, I mean, we're just a factory of idols. Um, it can be re we can be really quick to say social media is just it's evil, mm -hmm. um, and we have to remember it's our hearts that are what is evil. These are tools, and we can use them for good or for evil. You know, because I mean, we're not going to sit up here on this panel and say it is all really bad. We just happen to use it to advertise to get you to come here tonight. But otherwise, you know, um, it's it's awful. That's great. Uh, yeah. So, but lately, you know, I have had had a kind of an interesting experience because one of the aspects of that tool is that you can reach the other side of the world like that. I mean, you that. When have we been able to do that? I mean, we we live in a time, you know, years ago, missionaries would go to reach other countries and they would get on a boat with all of their belongings and sometimes a coffin because they're never coming back. And that's the only way they can get to, to reach people. Um, so we just went on a trip. Actually, uh, one of my friends uh, who was on the trip uh, with me is here tonight. Uh, we just went on a trip to the other side of the world, complete opposite um, side, uh, with the, uh, my husband, my kids, and, and some, some students here. And uh, I, was, uh, I was at a, a, a place, a kind of a tourist spot, and a lady came up to me because she speaks English, and so she was wanting to talk to all of us. And she said to me, right as we left, I mean, all we did is take pictures, we barely even spoke. And then she said, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. So she showed me her profile. I took a picture of it with my phone and then I friended her. Well, for the last like three or four weeks, we've been messaging. That's how, that's what we're using. We're sending pictures to each other. We did like a Facebook um, video chat, which is basically she, all her friends were just, hi, and you know, it's just me uh, doing that. But this, this one little encounter there has opened the door for me to keep talking to her. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in the process, she said, my friend has gone to America. She is studying in Pennsylvania. And I said, well, who, you know, who is your friend and does she like it? So then she tells her friend about me and we've friended each other on Facebook. Um, and these are women who are, are not believers. They have um, a completely different faith. And um, it's, you know, I live a life where my real life, uh, it, it is a huge blessing to work here. I want to be clear about that. But I don't get much opportunity to encounter people in my daily job. And I go every day and I'm with people who have, you know, some of the same beliefs I do. And then I go home and I take care of my family. And then I go to bed and I start the, the day all over again. And so it opened up a world of opportunity for me to start engaging someone who's on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. um, so what I've started to learn is there's an amount of self-discipline. I mean, there may be some times where I have to say, I have to put that down or I can't do that or I have to take it off my phone. Um, but there is something good in how it can bring the far near to us if we're using it in the right way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's been kind of a neat thing. That's really helpful. Um, Okay, so I just have a couple more questions, but Laura, in, in light of that, so you write a lot, you're very passionate about pro-life ethic um, and the broad-reaching implications of what it means to be pro-life. Um, so how can social media help promote a pro-life ethic, and how have you seen it be advantageous? <sighs> Promoting a pro-life ethic? Um, I feel like I've seen it do the opposite a lot. Um, but I think one of the things that you just hit on, Amy, was um, you, you talked about it requiring self-discipline. <laughs> mm -hmm. To be able to build this relationship, um, it, it also requires intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that's, I feel like, easy to forget because there's almost no measure of accountability behind this thing um, 
is that there's another person on the other side of our screen. Um, and so one of the ways that I have seen a pro-life ethic be promoted on social media is the way, good ways in which people engage with one, with one another. When people are slow to speak and quick to listen, mm -hmm. when they're slow to anger and quick to be compassionate and recognize they, they have another perspective here. Um, one of the things, um, you've talked a lot about civil discourse and trying to bring that same mentality to the social media platform, the idea of civil discourse, of being able to disagree well and, and appreciate the dignity and the value of the person who you can only see a picture of. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even with that, like the way that we use social media what, by how we um, protect our kids, um, their dignity on that, that's a big thing. We don't, we don't own somebody else's dignity, so we can't just do with it what we want. We have, to, we, as parents, the right to, the responsibility to protect it. But even as, you know, as a wife, um, the responsibility, responsibility to protect my husband's dignity, to show honor on there and respect and, and him to do the same and the way that I respect and honor and show dignity to my brothers and sisters and our church and our pastors and people who disagree with me, who don't have the same opinion. And so I think that there's been a lot of good as far as social media to be able to kind of give voice to issues where there hasn't been a voice mm -hmm. for a while. And this is even something I think, it's hard to get outside of our context to think of. We're in, we're in America, so we have the freedom to say whatever we want, whenever we want. Um, and in other countries, they don't. Um, they're actually restricted from social media. So I think even thinking about that, we even bear a responsibility to people around the world who can't speak up in this way, uh, to speak winsomely and to promote the value of every single human life. Mm. Betsy, I think you can really speak into this too, this consideration of when you're a parent. <laughs> what are things with social media that, I mean, now we have little babies who know how to, you know, work an iPhone better than we do. Yes. Well, the fact that I'm, I don't have a tablet. <laughs> this is my kid's tablet. <laughs> you know, life is not fair sometimes. Yeah. So, so my husband was like, you have the cover, like you need to take it. I'm like, no. I need to be honest. I don't have one. This is my kids. <laughs> so um, one day, Josue told me, um, "Mom, I want you to record something really cool that I'm going to do right now." I'm like, "Okay," on my phone. So I took my phone out. I was recording, and he said, "Are you posting that in YouTube?" I'm like, "What? Yeah, that's for YouTube, Mom." I'm like, "Oh my goodness." I need counseling right now. <laughs> so he, yeah. So I think there's like, the, we could list like thousands of tips of how to manage parenting <coughs> and social media. But for me, the simple, like the most simple way to put it is that I am teaching him to either worship God mm -hmm. or anything else. So he's looking at me. They are looking at me all the time. So my number one parenting um, tip for myself is to be aware that he's looking at my passion with this stuff. And I am, I am teaching them that there's like joy in these things or my hope is here, you know? So um, we need to be careful. We need to be careful with the amount of time that we are um, on our phones, mm. um, how excited we are when someone posts or, you know, just like a, something, you know. We need to be careful because they're watching and mm -hmm. they are going to um, learn how to be passionate about God or mm -hmm. whatever the world, you know, yeah. needs substitute. I, um, it's funny that you say that because it's coming to mind. I, I was, I've been reading through the book of Exodus and so I was reading the story of the Passover today and it was so funny how, I, it just struck me, all these instructions that God gives for these rituals, like things that you do, how you prepare the bread, what spices you use, when you do that, how you put the blood on the, like these are um, practices, these are rituals that are supposed to point us to a greater reality. And by us practicing them, they actually form us into who we are and they teach us things that 
you know, me just lecturing wouldn't actually teach. Um, and that's fascinating when you think about how is social media a ritual that it kind of shapes our lives because we just form these habits that when something good happens, <laughs> this yeah. is what we run to first. Or when something bad happens, it's to call a friend or, you know, like whatever it might be, those big moments in our lives and then those dull moments in our, in our lives, like we practice social media and, exactly. and it right. starts to form us into types of people mm -hmm. and then we the, the Passover story is so careful about pass these things down to your children mm -hmm. and when they practice these things a lot I'm with you tell them it's because God is faithful because God is going to deliver us you know mm -hmm. and so even those things that we're modeling for our children mm -hmm. are forming things in mm -hmm. them that can either lead them to Christ or lead them to an exactly. idol. I, I, yeah, we're teaching them this is the fountain of joy. Mm -hmm. Run yeah. here every time there's something yeah. exciting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think really experiencing life with them and not always living the life as it's on display. One of the saddest things and I and I'm I'm gonna say this, this isn't in judgment because there have been times that I was doing this also. So um, but it I don't know how many of you have kids elementary school age, but when you do, you will see this. If your kids are in school, you'll go to a school program, and over half the parents will be actually watching the program through the phone because they're doing, you know, something. And maybe, you know, once or twice I went and my husband couldn't go, so I was filming it for him. But I stepped back and thought, I mean, one time I was doing it because I was going to, I thought, oh, I'll post this and the grandparents will see it or whatever. And then I was like, my kid is up on the stick and I'm watching it on this little screen. What is going on? I'm not taking this moment in and he's not seeing me take this moment in. And so one thing as a family, whether it's vacations or whatever, we try to limit a lot of it because you just have to step back and say, you know, just because you don't post it doesn't mean you didn't live it, doesn't mean you didn't have fun. Um, you know, it's, it's okay. We, the, the point is to really experience. And it's okay to do some because we do. Um, but you know, our, our daughter is 13 and we, we're, we're just, we've just started with this. So we have, she has one thing that she is able to do and we have lots of boundaries and password protections and just ways, um, that, that we handle that. Um, and the biggest thing that we're trying to do is just to not move too fast. We're going to ease into this and we're going to. Um, let her interact with her friends in this way, but we're going to talk about what it means and why we do things. Um, the other thing with respect to kids that we are learning is the self-control um, in us because I I'm of the generation that social media really started when our kids were babies. And so my whole life was about my kids. So what do I post about? My kids. They rolled over. They did that, take pictures of them, things like that. Well, any of you in here who have teenagers or middle schoolers, it turns out they don't really like you to do that after a while. And we've learned that the hard way. We've both posted things um, that we thought were completely harmless. And for the simplest reason as, I don't want anyone to know I was doing that. Or, Mom, I don't like my hair. I don't want you to post that picture. My hair looks bad. And so there's a point in how we post about our families and our kids and how we we have to start learning how to pivot and that that their story is not our story anymore it's their story and there is something about respecting that space to not be placing them out there all the time um, anymore and that is a complete from like trial and error from us starting to realize uh, what what we have to do and in the process we can teach because we're already always putting them on display then that's kind of how they are going to you know mm. want to do themselves mm. so that's great um, thank you guys so much for offering your wisdom um, tonight and your experiences and your stories um, so I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna um, sing together Hannah's gonna come out in just a second um, but I think one of the things that just has come from this that I've gleaned is just the importance of walking in wisdom on this issue. That to go away from here and to say social media is the devil <laughs> is wrong. And to go away from here and say social media is our best friend is wrong. Um, 
that it's something that, like Laura said, it puts our spiritual disciplines on display. It's a platform, it's a tool. So it's something that we desperately need wisdom for in understanding how to be good stewards of that tool. So I'd like to pray for all of us now, just asking the Lord to grant us grace in, in, um, in wisdom and knowing how to, how to do that well. So he'll pray with me. Father, we're just so thankful that we can come to you, Lord, that we can come humbly before you, that we can see the limits of our wisdom when it comes to navigating this world, um, when it comes to walking in godliness. Um, Father, without you, we can do nothing. Um, we're poor in spirit and we're needy. Um, our best wisdom is just folly <laughs> compared to yours. And so, God, will you, will you teach us dependency on your spirit? God, will you, um, will you convict us through your kindness and through your word, Lord, of the times that we have used social media, this tool, as a, a way of harming our brothers and sisters? God, would you just, would you grant us the, <laughs> the gift of grief over our sin for that? Um, God, would you bring those things to our mind, Father? Lord, would you show us the places that we have not loved our neighbors well and that we've desired to promote our own selves above seeking the good of others? God, would you show us the times that we have not looked to our weaker brothers and sisters um, and pr protected them? Lord, would you convict us of the times that we've allowed the things that we've seen um, We've allowed Satan to convince us that you are a God who withholds good from us because we see that you haven't withheld it from other people. Father, that's a lie that we're just so prone to. And God, I pray that by the power of your word and your spirit that you would expose that lie in us. Lord, would you strengthen us by your truth? Your word is truth. God, may we use social media as a tool to breathe words of life to other people and to proclaim your glory and your goodness and your story, um, both in the near and our communities here and also as you give us the gift of being able to proclaim that afar off, Lord. God, give us wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen.